0: You're listening to the Queen City Church Sermon of the Week. For more information on this message and other resources, visit queencity.church. Well, well, good morning, good morning, Queen City Church, out there in live stream land. Here we are. Another transition, huh, Andy?
1: Another transition.
0: Another transition. <laughs> another so, like-
1: so much transition in this season.
0: <laughs> oh my. Oh my. I told the Lord, um, I, I was, I think I told you, Andy, I said, Lord, uh, this is, uh, this is taking too long. I don't like this. And mm-hmm. the Lord said, just one day. Telling me to live one day at a time, that's the Jesus way, isn't it? It is. Well, what we want to do this morning, first of all, I want to have uh make a few announcements and then Andy and I are going to sort of discuss one of the really prevalent issues of the day and give our, uh we'll just have a conversation about it. Mm-hmm. But let me do this. Um Let me tell you that next Sunday, we plan to open our doors again for those of you who are ready to join us. We plan to have two services, each at a limited capacity. They'll be 45 minutes long because you'll be with your kids. Uh, So you'll need to sign up for one of them if you plan to come. So be looking for an email from us early in the week with the link to the Sign Up Genius and let us know which service you want to come to. uh, We'll also be implementing certain recommended guidelines to help everyone feel comfortable and confident as we gather again. And those are going to be outlined in the email as well. We will continue to live stream our services each week. If you're not yet comfortable gathering for the service, or if you're in a high-risk category concerning the virus, um, please continue to join us from home. And also, we were going to receive this morning's offering, but I have to say, church, you have just astounded me As to your generosity, not just in your giving to the church, but in the way you've helped other people um, in our congregation, and even people that aren't in our congregation, because it's not just about us; it's just about those people around us. But if you would like to give this morning, you can do so from your phone. You can text QCC Giving to seven seven nine seven seven. So. QCC giving, you text that to 77977 and follow the prompts or you can give from our website, queencity.church. Just, uh, if you go there, select giving and, um, follow the prompts. So there you go.
1: That's the announcements.
0: Life should be so sweet.
1: (laughs) Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, Robin and I, uh we've we've decided that we kind of like this back and forth thing so much we yeah, decided to keep it some more. yeah keep going with it for a while and uh you know we're we're obviously in a, a a season I guess we've been in it for about 90 days of quarantine now and it's not been easy and and obviously the events of this past week have been extra difficult and we're going to talk some about that today but I I would just like to say we are in the building today and it's not just the two of us. There's, there's about a half a dozen, maybe under 10 people. We got kids in the building. We got some people right. in here and I'm kind of <laughs> celebrating the small victories. We got right. Hannah Payne in the background running overheads today. It's kind of like 13
0: people. I counted them.
1: 13 people. It's kind of like old times. So I'm, I'm celebrating the incremental steps towards all of us being together in the room. Once more very soon, but um, I want to say up front that this week, Robin and I are together in just, uh, I would say, feeling rather weak, yeah. ra- rather yeah. inept, I, I dare say. Um, and we want to tackle, if we can, or just be vulnerable with you all this morning, uh, with regards to the death of, or the murder of George Floyd, uh, this week. And, uh, but before we get to that, I do want to kind of frame this this morning. It's interesting on the church calendar. If you, if you follow the church calendar, today happens to be the day that the church, uh, acknowledges or celebrates the Pentecost, which in the scriptures was the pouring out of God's Holy spirit into the earth. And it's actually a very important moment in the history, not just of the church, but in all of humanity, because, well, first of all, so much happens when the father and Jesus pour out the Holy spirit into the earth. Um, But before we go into that, I would just like to read this passage. Let's just open. If you've got your Bibles, you can open to Acts chapter two. I'm not going to read the whole chapter, but there's there is something that I want to highlight here. So when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together, meaning the disciples. Uh, There was about 120 of them gathered in one place. And suddenly a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. All right. So these were folks that were uh, they were Jews uh, in the Jewish religion, but they were from everywhere. OK, they were all the nations of the earth were represented. And when they heard that sound, a crowd of them came together in bewilderment because each one heard them speaking in his own language, utterly amazed, they asked Are not all these men who are speaking all these different languages Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in his own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, I've made a few notes about this this moment in history, and I'd just like to maybe start out by talking about the significance of these many races, these many people groups, these many different nationalities, ethnicities. They were all present in this moment where the Lord was pouring himself out in this way via his Holy Spirit. One way you could say it would be that in this moment of time, God was revealing his heart and he did it in such a way he chose this specific moment where all of these races and nationalities were present to hear what what by this testimony is the wonderful works of God. So these, these Jews from all these different places were hearing the testimony of God's mm. heart for all people. And that's significant. As Christians, we have to acknowledge that, that the pouring out of God's Spirit was not only to, I mean, you know, as charismatic people, we enjoy the benefits of the Holy Spirit working in our life. There's, there's miracle working power involved in that. Mm. And, uh, but, but also there was this gathering, there was this gathering of all people, all colors, mm. all races. The Lord was revealing what he was really about in that moment. So, um, so I want to say this. I want to say this out loud as we get kind of into this uh, topic that we're we're discussing this week. I, w- I think it's this. This is going to seem obvious when I say this, but I think this is a moment that we need to say this. I want you to hear this today. There is no race that is better than another. There is no race who should have power over another. Right. There is no race that should rule over another. And any idea that says otherwise is not the heart of God.
0: That's right. Amen. That's right. You know, Andy, it even says that, um, kindness, uh, is an apostolic virtue. Mm. Uh, Paul talked about, um, that kindness was part of his credential. And, um, we're to honor all men, which means everyone. Yeah. Not n- just everyone. And, um, that's certainly been a, a problem in our nation that, uh, I think really deeply concerns so many and, and really to me, um, to resolve this issue is to, save the nation in certain ways. That's right. Very, very specific in certain ways. Um, well, I, yeah, I know my heart uh, just breaks over uh what's been going on. I mean, you and I have talked about this some, but, we have a mutual friend. It's, it's a black pastor. His name is James Scott. And, um, part of what we, part of what we've done, our team has done over the last three months is we've tried to stay in touch with everybody we knew just to ask them how they're doing. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, a couple of days ago when this, um, uh, George Floyd situation emerged and everybody began to find out about it, I called James just to find out how they were doing because I know his church has been shut down like ours and I didn't know if they were, you know, how they were doing, how he was doing personally and, um, just the way James talked about how this, uh, the, the death of this man and the, and the conditions surrounding it, as well as, of course, um, Ahmed Arbery and, and they have a, and, and he sees a list of this, of these episodes, you know, and it just, it just broke my heart. Yeah.
1: Well, yeah, I don't want to cut you off, Robin, but I, I just want to share with folks is that, you and I haven't quite known what to do with all of this. We don't quite know no. how to navigate this. No. But the reason why we're even kind of exposing that is that you called me this week just in tears over what happened to George Floyd. And and when you – I mean, you and I, we meet every week to, to figure out what we're going to do yeah. for the, the upcoming service. And when I heard your heart on this moment, I I knew – that we needed to press into it. Like it gets messy when you start talking about race issues. Yeah. We are a predominantly white church and we think that we, um, you know, we don't want to be presumptuous in the way that we talk about this. So there's yeah. a little bit of messiness involved yeah. with coming around a topic that we, we don't necessarily know how to
0: address. Well, you know, the, the, there are a number of things about James Scott that impresses me. But mm. One of them was, as we've talked over the last several days a couple of times, he said, you know, honestly, Robin, and I understand this, white people don't know what to do. Mm. Yeah. You know, we're a little bit at a loss. I mean, um, now our church has done concrete, specific, even sacrificial things um at times for uh a black congregation but yeah that's not the same thing as really knowing all that needs to change in our relationships but the one thing that struck me was how brokenhearted he was and what and and um his concern for his church his concern for his leadership team his concern for the city his concern for the nation and he has a kingdom mindset he wants to see on earth as it is in heaven that's yeah. his heart Mm-hmm. And he is absolutely and very obviously opposed to any sort of violence. He was, um, he's been going to these different demonstrations and doing everything in his power to stop the wrong kind of conversation, to stop any of the violent acts, because yeah. I don't think that's truly representative of the, the Charlotte's black community. I, re- I really believe there's at the very minimal some agitators. I mean a lot of people mm. can get stirred up who wouldn't normally be stirred up, but, but at the very minimum it's it's people with some kind of an agenda to try to hurt rather than help. But James is in those um in those marches speaking kindness to the police department, mm. blessing the police department, telling the police department that he and the people he knows and his congregation love them and pray for them. They have children. Who are about to get their driver's licenses, and they want the police to know, "Hey, maybe you could meet my son." You know, yeah. M- maybe uh, this could go on. Of course, they're they're of course white and African American police officers. And James says these guys' hearts are are stirred too. They're doing uh, everything they can to keep this from from getting out of control. But mm-hmm. yeah, I don't I don't really know what to do. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've spent most of my life trying to not make it worse, not knowing how to make it better all the time. Right. Yeah. Well, I want to say that in,
1: in, in thinking through uh, I've spent a lot of time just kind of thinking through what I'm responsible for in my own life as a Christian. And, um, you know, I've heard a lot of people talk this week about peace, but, there is a sense that there's a a great need for justice as well. And it seems like it's hard for peace to manifest in the face of pretty massive injustice. So I think that's the part where I go, hmm, what is my part to play in that? And as you and I were talking, we were talking through what's the actual Jesus way to, uh, to, to behave like or to act like towards another person. And the, the first thing that I came up with was, was repentance, you know, like yeah. a, a private repentance, like before the Lord repenting for, you know, just the tradition of, of white supremacy that has existed in our nation. I mean, that is undeniable. It's, it's a, it is a thing. And I, I don't feel like a racist. I don't feel like I'm a person who has racist tendencies. But nevertheless, I feel like as an act of peace offering, I'm, I'm doing, I feel like it is our work to do what Jesus did. And here's what Jesus did. Jesus was an innocent man. Jesus was without sin. But his, the thing that he did was he took the sins of the world upon himself. Mm. Like he put those things on his back. He's the one who bore all of that for our sake. And I see that that is, that is the work that we are supposed to be doing. Mm. If, if we are 100% innocent, still we are kind of taking upon ourselves the crimes. And, you know, in order to empathize, in order to hear the cries of the black community that are really, there's so much frustration. There's so much disappointment. There's such a feeling of a lack of justice. And I think as, Sometimes as white people we 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 tend to do this that that problem exists over there but I'm over here and I think our work is to somehow cross over that distance right relationally I mean there's there's a lot of different ways that we can do that but I think it does start with repentance
0: well uh I wrote a book several years ago it's called Harbinger Harbinger of Hope. And in that book, um, I'm not going to get into all the details, but the Lord told me five things he wanted to do. And one of them was to give the United States a new vision. Mm. And that vision, um, a good part of it had to do with racial reconciliation. Mm. And in that book, um, I actually have two specific comments to make about this. So let me get to the first one. Okay. I'm, I'm warming up to it. In that book, up, Jim Hill, a mutual friend of ours, was in Argentina. And in Argentina, there's, a, there's an uh, area called, in the Chaco, called the impenetrable, or the impenetrable zone. And the history goes, hundreds of years ago, um, European settlers came in, and the natives in that area, and there were about eight distinct tribes, realized the settlers were going to take their land. And so their shamans, as strange as all this sounds, but this is actually what happened. Their shamans, and this is their history, their shamans and spiritual leaders cursed the land so that the settlers wouldn't want to stay there because they figured cursed land was better than no land at all. And um, in the 1800s, the government actually tried to eradicate all of those tribes, which was just a terrible policy and then in the 20th century 19th and 20th century they began to evangelize that region and um just several years back a european a man of european descent an argentine of european descent had a bible school and he was teaching a lot of of leaders and the leaders that were um coming to this particular training seminar were tribal leaders of these different tribes and the leader felt compelled to ask their forgiveness and to wash their feet. And that started a process that brought a huge gathering together some months later where on the anniversary of the day, the government had chosen many years before to do that annihilation. They chose that day to do a day of repentance towards Mm -hmm. between the Europeans and the, Uh, Native Americans. And so a speaker was speaking on forgiveness. And when he got through speaking, he was about to ask forgiveness of these Native leaders who were also there. But before he could, one of those Native leaders actually took the microphone and began to repent to these other natives because they had robbed and raided each other down through the centuries. And they took their time and expressed, for, ask, you know, asked for forgiveness. It went back and forward. It took a good while for it all to happen. They didn't even do it on the microphone because they weren't trying to make a show. And then at the end, um a great wind came. Sounds almost like Pentecost. It had not rained there in a year. Mm. The land was barren, had been barren for years. Rivers now had trees growing up in the middle of the rivers out of dry ground. But when that repentance came and there was a forgiveness on both sides, um, a rainstorm came and it rained from that day forward every single week. They had rainfall for the rest of, for a year, Jim said. And what has happened now, that barren land that bore no fruit, Jim said, Next thing he knew, a pastor friend of his had a watermelon so large, it took two people to put it in his trunk. Now they harvest produce from that region because it that repentance, that restoration, that asking of forgiveness and receiving forgiveness changed the climate. Mm -hmm. Things that could not grow grew. Rain that would not fall fell. So that's that's one point I want to
1: make. Can there. I just just to understand what you're saying is that these were these were folks that were pr- re- repenting towards one another, who weren't necessarily the crime committers, right? No, it was it was
0: for historic sins. They were standing in the gap. They were they taking on those They had two or three hundred years of strife between tribe to tribe and then tribes to the European Argentine settlers. So not only was there healing between actual
1: people groups, there was a geographic healing in the land.
0: And people may think that's crazy, but it's absolutely not crazy. I don't crazy. think it's crazy. I think that's, that's it's, so real. <laughs> but see that the see it says that creation cries out mm-hmm. for the manifestation or the uh revealing of the children of God. Well, what does a child of God act like? Well, he acts like Jesus. Yeah. The, the the nations are crying out for a whole people groups that act like Jesus, that yes. have the heart of Jesus. Yes. That have a heart for God, that have a heart for restoration. Um you know we're a ways away from that, very very obviously. But here's another thing. Okay, we can look at those people down there and their history. What about my history? What about Robin McMillan's history? Well, I have a very um, confusing history. I have a great aunt who was one of the first Presbyterian missionaries, female missionaries and she at 39 years old died in Egypt as a medical missionary now the reason she became a missionary was her brother um who was the the person she loved the most in the world um joined oars rifles during the in the civil war that was the group it was called oars rifles and in um 1864 he died at the Battle of the Harris Farm at the Spotsylvania Courthouse, fighting to preserve slavery. Fighting to preserve slavery. And there were a lot of Presbyterians in the South who were fighting to preserve slavery. That is my heritage. That is my grandfather's uncle I'm talking about. Calvin Galloway died as a Southern... Soldier for the Confederacy. And I don't know that it's ever even been considered in, in my Galloway family. And I would, I don't know how popular I would be to say this, but I want to repent for that participation. Um, I won't, I, I'm sorry. I, I don't know who to say that to, but I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I, I repent. But see, that's what they were doing. I wasn't there. Mm-hmm. I guess I was there genetically, you could say. Mm-hmm. But see, the Bible really talks about that. There is, there is, well, that was a generational repentance that went down to the 1600s, 1700s, 1800s. And it culminated in that one moment to the degree that the weather actually changed and a barren land became fruitful once again because the favor and mercy of God came when people Ask for forgiveness. So that's what I'm doing. I'm asking for forgiveness towards um, slavery, towards that byproduct, whatever's come of it. Because mm-hmm. my forefathers were invested in that. I understood they didn't own slaves, but mm-hmm. I've also understood that, and I know for a fact I can show you his picture, I can tell you the date, he died he's just buried in some kind of a common grave up there in virginia somewhere so that's what i have to say this is this is real to me
1: man that's that's powerful robin um it's it's got me thinking about that scripture and i don't know where it is off the top top of my head but how the the sins of the fathers will be visited upon these generations mm-hmm. that follow.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I, I think at some point in my life, I always assumed that that was God uh, releasing some curse or something upon these generations that followed because of the sin. But what I now realize is that, that si- sin, whether it's an individual sin or a corporate sin, has lasting effects yeah it has lasting effects on the way that people think even right and i think that uh i need to do the same thing i i come from a uh you know i mean i would never describe ourselves as as racists or my the squires family yeah. um it, it's so interesting uh my, my family is a long line of liberal Democrats and, uh, you know, Texas Democrats and really my, I remember, uh, my, my grandfather who fought in World War II, uh, even marching in protest against the Vietnam War when all of that was going on and, and so very, had a heart for the people, but it's interesting how even some of that white supremacy, those ideas were still Mm -hmm. in our family. It was, it it wasn't overt. It was, Mm -hmm. it was just kind of like a, it was, it was below the surface, you know? And so
0: even with everything I've said about my, my mother's family, they were very honorable people. Yeah. They, um, built colleges for women. Mm. They built a school for, uh, the black community. It was still segregation, still yeah. wasn't enough. Yeah. But they weren't overtly like KKK types. Right. But, um, we just really need to pray for our nation and ask God to give us real, real solutions to these situations.
1: Amen. Amen. Um, I'm, I'm trying to pay attention to the time. Are we okay, Chris? Okay. Uh, so, I would like to give a practical, another practical guide for our folks because, um, what's so interesting about this conversation around race and the narrative around race is that it's actually controversial and Which is interesting to me. I don't quite know how to navigate through everybody's differences of opinion on all this. So what I've been trying to do is I've been trying to go to the scripture and find things that we can actually hold on to when it comes to dealing with our friends and family who have in the black community who are having experiences that we may not be having and how do we put ourselves in their position? And not only that, how do we carry that burden with them or should we even carry that burden with them? That's kind of the question that a lot of people are asking themselves right now. And, uh, you mentioned our, our, our friend, pastor James, James Scott, James, you and I would both say James is our brother. He is our, he is our brother in Christ. Yeah. And I, I love this scripture in Galatians 6. This is what, this is what Paul says to, to, to this church, but he's, he's really saying it to all of us. And I, before I read this, I want to say this. We don't always know what to do, but we can always put ourselves in the place of another. We can work to feel what they are feeling. Like if you want to know what you're supposed to be doing right now, that's your work. You need to attempt at least feeling what these others are feeling so we can work at taking in the rage and the frustration and the shame of our brothers and sisters, because this is what Paul meant when he said, bear one another's burdens. And it's so interesting how Paul frames this. He goes, he goes, carry each other's burdens in this way. You will fulfill the law of Christ. So what what's so interesting about that is the way I live my life is is like this. And, and I'm sure many of you can uh maybe feel this, but like I ain't trying to take on more problems than I already have in my own life. Like when I look at the bills I have to pay, the kids I have to raise, the schedule I have to keep. When I when I think of everything that is going on in my life, the last thing I want to do is carry somebody else's burden, especially when it's inconvenient for me or especially if it feels like it's emotionally draining. We are all guilty of avoiding pain. Like I'm living my entire life at like keeping pain at bay. But the law of Christ that Paul is talking about is this openness of heart Mm. where you leave behind the convenience of your own life. You even leave behind the justification of your own righteousness and you decide to carry another person's problem. And that's the moment that we, especially as white Christians, find ourselves in. It's not, uh, well, I'm not a racist, or I'm colorblind, or like those are a lot of the things that I've heard. It's not that you're a racist, it's that your brother has a burden, and in order for you to fulfill the law of Christ, it's yours to help carry that. And that doesn't necessarily look like you solved the problem today or tomorrow even. So see, that's where we sometimes get confused. Like, like Robin and I have both been completely honest in this idea that we, we quite frankly don't know what to do. But the thing that we can do is carry our brother's burden. And that, that can, that can be in a lot of different ways that can look in a lot of different ways. But if you want to know how to start, I think it begins with empathy. I think it begins with us opening our hearts in a way where, where we stop making excuses for the rage and frustration of black folks in, in this nation, you know, being frustrated and disappointed. I've heard so many people say, Well, yeah, but, yeah, but, but I'm thinking to myself, if that was me, if that was, if I was George, George Floyd's father or mother, I would be weeping. I would be in tears over the loss of my son because of a knee on a neck. And I, I think crossing the distance between my world and that world is how we start. It starts in our hearts. It doesn't end in, in our hearts, but it starts in our hearts.
0: Well, one of the things that happened was as I was talking to James, I began to feel some of what he felt. And it wasn't about understanding everything or fixing everything. It was about, here's a guy that's hurt. Here's a guy who's hurting. Here's a guy who's in a community that's hurting. So what do you do? You, you, it just, can't you at least feel some of that? Mm -hmm. You know, that's, that's Mm -hmm. the thing I was thinking. Um, the word understanding has been described as, with this kind of meaning it means to stand under stand under someone else's experience and feelings mm. and and dreams or hopes or lost dreams or lost hopes to give you an idea of what their life is like mm. amen yeah
1: amen that's so good robin well robin do you have anything else you want to add because i i think it would be really good for us to close with communion today
0: I, no, I, I think that's great. Okay. I think we've said a lot already. I want to say
1: this, um, that what's so interesting about what happens on the day of Pentecost, where it's the outpouring of the spirit, it, it was really a revival. It was a revival that included all nations. At the end of this book, the Bible explicitly talks about all nations and races being together at the end. And I, I find that so interesting that, that in the resurrection, in this next age, our race isn't going away. It's not like there's this, this big generalization of humanity. There, there will be tribes. There will be races. There will be ethnicities present in the age to come. And I, I just wanted to read this, this passage from Revelation seven, which is so powerful. But this, this is talking about the great multitude. And, and John writes this, after this, I looked and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, every tribe, people and language standing before the throne of God and in front of the lamb. And they were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out in a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the lamb. So, Racial reconciliation, r- racial and ethnic togetherness is not some kind of modern imperative. It's actually our destiny. It is our scriptural destiny. And so if you yeah. ever wanted to know what the work of God actually looked like, it is to bring the future into the now. We don't have to wait For Revelation 17 someday, we can sing the praise of God together now. And that's our work. Amen. Well, hopefully this has been encouraging, hopeful. And Robin, do you want to lead us in communion?
0: Yes. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord, you're so good to us. We... Lord, we're doing our best to honor you. Yes. Um, As as we look at this communion today, Lord, it's that you gave your life. Um, One of the verses I'm thinking of, Lord, it says, he became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So you have fully, more than fully identified with us, Lord, you, you became, it's like you became the worst part of us and took it to the grave. And so as a little bit of an unorthodox communion here, <laughs> but Lord, that's, that's what we do when we take this bread and drink this cup. We do proclaim. Yes. The Lord's death. Yes. Until he comes. Amen. And so Jesus said on that night, he broke bread, and his body was broken. And he said, take this bread, for this is my body, eat ye of it. And, Lord, we have an encounter with you. We don't just do a method. We don't just do a, I know it's a sacrament, but it's more than that, Lord. Somehow we receive something more of you by faith. Amen. Lord, one of the most glorious truths, Jeremiah, I believe it was Jeremiah, prophesied the forgiveness of sins, that he would give us a new covenant. And and the reality of that covenant was that God would forgive all our sins. And in Colossians chapter 2, Lord, I know it says that because of what Jesus has done for us, and this makes no sense, but there it is, plain black and white, because of what Jesus has done for us, there's nothing. There's nothing between you and I. There's nothing between you and your people because you've done something so marvelous beyond our grasp. But we believe that, Lord, that we can boldly talk to you because of the blood of the covenant. So Jesus said about the cup, this is my blood sacrifice for you. This is for the total forgiveness of sins, Lord, and we remember that that is what you have done. And we receive this, Lord, and we ask for healing for everyone in our congregation as we receive communion, that healing would flow through everybody, through every family, emotional, physical, spiritual, soulish, wherever it is, Lord. We receive this covenant again in Jesus' name.
1: amen amen Queen City Church we love you we're praying for you this week we pray I'm just going to pray over you right now Holy Spirit yes just like on Pentecost on the day of Pentecost our prayer today is that you would pour out a fresh move of your spirit A fresh move of your spirit in our lives, in our hearts, in our families, in our communities, in our city. Lord, we pray for the the twin cities today. We pray for Minneapolis, St. Paul, Lord. We pray for your healing power to be released in that city. We want to pray against every demonic force that would be trying to bring chaos and disorder Into this city that you love. Lord, we pray for protection. Protection over that city, Lord Jesus. Mm. And Father, we together, we repent of not hearing the cries of our brothers and sisters. And Lord, we ask you for wisdom and grace. We ask you to lead us now. By your wisdom and grace to know what to do. In your name we ask all this. Amen. Amen. Folks, we will see you next week. Here. Here in this building together. Or on live stream again. Or on live stream if you decide to stay home. Keep connected with us on social media, on on Instagram. That's our main way of communication. But we will also have stuff on the website that you can find out stuff through. And um, blessings to you all. See you soon.
0: You've been listening to the Queen City Church Sermon of the Week. For more information on this message and other resources, visit queencity.church.